What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua, and welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund on the Live Mana Network. You can find us on your app stores of your phone and also uh, Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire. We're there. We're also on Google News, or you can go to our website at livemana.org. That's L-I-V-E-M-A-N-A.org. Really blessed to have you guys here today. Normally, I do a, you know, kind of a monologue that's not planned, and I say stuff, but today... I didn't really feel like I wanted to do that um, because I found myself in a very similar situation like this. And those of you that, you know, serve full time, you have nonprofits, you have ministries, or even if you're an entrepreneur, I think what I'm about to read is going to sound very, very familiar to you. Um, and I want to read this because it spoke to me in a pretty powerful way. Uh, so. I'm going to quit talking and read this. And then after that, we're going to bring on, uh, we'll play our intro video as normal. And then we're going to bring on an amazing guest, RJ Bell, that when I was scrolling on Facebook, and I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook uh, anymore, but I was scrolling and, and, and just, I felt my spirit go, you need to contact that guy. I'm like, I don't know him. <laughs> and I don't like to send friend requests, but I felt my spirit I was supposed to. And uh, I think I understand why. So today is going to be a very powerful, I believe, a heartfelt and inspiring conversation. So you won't want to miss that. But let me read this first. Let down your bucket. In 1895, Booker T. Washington delivered a speech in which he told a powerful story of a ship lost at sea for many days. The sailors on board this distressed vessel were without hope, exhausted from hunger, and dehydrated to the point of death. Finally, someone spotted a boat far away. A signal was sent from the other lost ship. Water, water, we die of thirst. The other ship signaled back, cast your bucket where you are. The sailors were confused. Their signal was obviously misinterpreted. They tried again. Water, send us water. <laughs> the same response was delivered. Cast your buckets where you are. The men were besides themselves with frustration. We're going to die of thirst because these people don't understand what we're trying to say. Desperate, they signaled again. Same response. Then a fourth and final time. Same response. Finally, the captain of the lost ship said, I don't understand what it means, but we'll die if we don't try. He took a bucket and let it down in the ocean. When he brought it up, the captain couldn't believe his eyes. The bucket was filled with sparkling, fresh water. What he did not know was that the very near the mouth of the Amazon River, which deposits fresh water far into the ocean, what these sailors had needed all along was right underneath them. Their thirst was satisfied. Are you dry and thirsty? Do you desperately need life? You don't have to seek comfort or satisfaction in another person. You don't have to chase after another diamond. You don't have to try whatever the world says can fix your problem. Right here where you are is a living well of water. His name is Jesus Christ. If you will just let down your bucket, you will find acres of diamonds in him. Everything you need, every provision of your body, soul, and spirit is in Jesus. Do you need joy? Do you need hope? Do you need faith, peace, peace, or a future? Let down your bucket. 
Undiscovered potential lies before you. Even in your darkest hour, you can have living water in Jesus Christ. The key to finding this diamond is to be anchored in him. <clears throat> I read that because, well, one, it spoke to me and it was powerful and it is true for my life. And I also want to say that regardless of the subject matter that we speak about on this program, because I will open my platform to anybody that is willing, but they also have to, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to talk about what I talk about. I'm going to share what's on my heart. And I never really know what that's going to be. But um, I noticed some interesting messages from some of the interviews that I've been doing recently. And I just want to say, I'm doing what I'm led to do. And I will continue to do that. And any entrepreneur, any ministry, any nonprofit, anyone that's just seeking the life that they were created to live, you're going to do things that people look at you like you're a maniac. You're going to do things that people will look at you like, and they're going to judge you, especially people of your own faith, which is really, really strange. But it's very, very important that not only uh, do we stay out of other people's walk, but it's also important that we're supportive of others regardless of where they're at. And, um, and judgment doesn't do that. And uh, with that said, I am nothing without Jesus. Uh, and regardless of the conversations, like I said, that I have on this program, that is where I stand before anything else. But I'm going to talk to anybody and everybody that God leads me to talk to. And whether somebody's a believer or not, hey, that's great because God's leading me and I only answer to him. With that said, I have no idea the direction that this conversation is going to go down. So me reading this is not to segue into the, the interview by any means. I just want to address that. But also, I will tell you, as a 20-year chem sex addict, somebody that's been in jail six times, I've been homeless, I've lost everything twice, um, lost my family, lost my kids, lost my sanity, lost everything you can imagine. And I've seen some very, very dark things. I've, been, I've seen some very dark times. But I got to tell you, my life would not be what it is today without Jesus. And uh, those of you that are struggling out there and you don't have hope, you don't know where to turn, uh, he's there for you. I promise you, he's there. You just have to cry out for him. All right, with that said, we'll be right back after this.
want the finer things, the diamond rings, designer jeans, all minor things in the wider scheme. But at what cost to realize your dreams? Been bleeding in the will more, put the crown of thorns on, spill more. My mic bloody, cause I kill more. But I'm still poor. Bottom is where I started, but I get to the top and park it. Plug up in a harlot, my battery need charging. And to reach my target is the illest in the market. Is some liquid from my arteries, will spill onto the carpet, yeah. Everybody want fame, nobody wanna work for it. Want them all to know your name, don't wanna see no hurt for it. You wanna rolling out the red carpet, the red carpet, the red. Welcome back to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. I am Joshua T. Berglund. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for downloading our apps and also just for sewing into our ministry. We are a uh, user-supported broadcast network uh, and ministry. We don't make a habit of asking for donations, but if you believe in what we're doing, we are very grateful for uh, your support because we can't do it without you and obviously the Lord's favor. Um, I will tell you that the very first thing, my very first impression of RJ, uh, that once I kind of got a little bit more information about him, was that you know being a single parent, being a single parent as a male, uh, that immediately stuck out to me. And I have, and just reading a little bit of his story, just you know, about dealing with failure. Not only did he serve our country um abroad and uh, I think it was Iraq or Afghanistan, forgive me if I got that wrong, um, for a year he was deployed. And but as a single father, you know, I had an opportunity to be a single father and uh, I I didn't rise to the occasion because I, you know, was stuck in my addictions and everything else. And to be honest, a selfish jerk. And I think about the consequences that I'm seeing today, not necessarily from me, but what I'm watching from afar. And I don't want to go into detail there because I don't want to uh, put a spotlight on somebody that doesn't want it. But you can read between the lines. You know, I have a lot of respect for any 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 parent that's willing to go about it alone. But there's something about men who do it that immediately get my respect. And again, I don't know the circumstances. I don't know the situation. But I don't think that men are necessarily hardwired to take that on. It could be a very unnatural thing. And uh, I have a lot of respect for RJ and just his story and everything that I've heard is really, really moved me. And, you know, he's the owner of the Bulletproof Method. And those of you, you've heard of the Bulletproof, different variations of it. Uh, that's something else that sticks out to me because I think you guys are going to be very, very impressed with what you learn today and what you hear. So it is an absolute honor. A fellow, I, I, I don't know if I can call myself a Minnesotan yet, <laughs> but I will say that I live in Minnesota. This gentleman lives in Minnesota. And he's doing amazing things in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome RJ, RJ Bell to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. What's up, RJ? How you doing, man? Good, Josh. Do, uh, Joshua, doing really good. That uh, video, intro video, got me uh, all pumped up for, for this talk today. <laughs> man, my wife did that. And uh, that looks really she good. is so good at this kind of stuff. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So first things first, RJ, before we get into our conversation, what are you grateful for today and why? Um, that's an easy one. Literally every single day I am 
insanely grateful for my daughter. Um, you know, ever, even, but even when I was in high school, I was like always wanting to be a father. Um, of course, never knowing when, and I, you know, was given that opportunity at a, at a younger age than I originally anticipated, but, um, it was, it was like a spark of joy, you know, when, when I heard, heard those, those words that I was about to be a father. Um, so it's definitely my daughter. <laughs> Man, I, gosh, see, and that, that right there alone just shows me, you know, the crossroads that I was at when I got that phone call, Hey, you need to take a paternity test. I was living my best life as I lied to myself in South Florida and um, I remember getting that phone call. It was OU Texas football game. It was that day. And when I got that call and I was like, who the F do you think you are? I'm not the father of that kid. And all the things that came out of my mouth. And I was just full of spite and rage and everything else, only to find out that I truly had a three-year-old daughter. And, of course, my rocky road as being a father did not stop there. It got worse before it got better. But I got to tell you. Fast forwarding to today, there is no greater gift in the world than getting to be a father. And uh, I wish it had not taken me so long to figure that out. But I, I, I'm grateful for men like you that have that heart because that heart teaches people like me that they can be a great father if they choose to. Absolutely. I appreciate you for saying that. No, it's I have I that alone. I mean, look, I'm, I'm excited to learn about the Bulletproof Method. I'm excited about all that, but that to me, again, was probably the most important thing uh, that I addressed before we do anything else. Now, so if you were in high school and then you, you find out you had a child, then you go into the military, correct? Is that how it worked or can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, essentially, so just out of high school, you know, I did... Um, the whole, I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to work. I'm going to find myself, make some money, have some fun, you know, whatever. And I, I found out in a, a very quick <laughs> manner that I, I was, I was one of those people that just wasn't meant for, for school. You know, I was, you know, maybe a C low B, you know, average students. Um, but then there's definitely those D's and the F's in the classes where I'm like, I know I'm not going to ever do this in my life or need this. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I, I figured that out quick. And once I figured that out, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to work. And then all my money that I was, you know, bringing in between the ages of essentially 18 and 20 went straight to booze, partying, you know, hanging out with my friends, fast food, that kind of stuff. And sure. thankfully at the time um, I was, I had already gotten into my journey of, you know, working out and exercising and stuff like that. So I at least had that on the, on the back burner for, you know, not only what I do go party, but the next day I'll go and immediately go do bench press or squats or, you know, go for a run, you know, to, to cure that hangover. But um, <laughs> it hurts um, way more. I'm glad I'm retired from all that because it's, <laughs> it's painful. I swear every, every year that you get older, that hangover, like adds like an extra six hours to when you actually feel better. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's very uh, true. But um, yeah, so I, I had, I had an aha moment back or what I now, nowadays I call a breakthrough back then where 
you know, I just kind of sat back and I'm like, okay, I've been doing this for three years now, partying, drinking, nothing's changing. It's like the same routine. And I mean, the house I was living in with, with a bunch of my buddies, I mean, my, I'm, I'm like an OCD neat freak. So my room was always like pristine. I had a, a lock on my door because I didn't want anyone, you know, going in there, messing my stuff up. But the whole house was, you know, we, we would have 50 plus people parties four days a week. Um, and, you know, eventually that just wore on me and I, was like, I need to make a change in my life ASAP. So I went and I actually talked to um, some recruiters. I first visited the the Marine Corps. Um, and, you know, I, I honestly was like this close to pulling the trigger on uh, being a Marine. And then uh, one of my buddies who was actually in uh, the National Guard at the time already, you know, he was like, no, 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 go National Guard. You know, you'll have more flexibility and freedom in your life, you know, while you're still somewhat accomplishing the same mission. Um, So I'm like, okay. So I went with the National Guard route um, for the Army. And I was in the National Guard for, see, I I had turned 21. A month later, I joined the National Guard. And then later that summer, after I came home from basic training, was when I found out I was going to be a dad. Um, I was, I was, it was day one of my 19 day stretch up at uh, Camp Ripley here in Minnesota um, for my annual training. And I get a phone call from my girlfriend at the time. And, you know, she's, I'm pretty sure she was a little choked up, kind of crying, you know, scared, which rightly, rightfully so. I mean, we're in our young twenties and she's like, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, huh? Okay. And I'm like, well, it's going to be okay. Like we'll figure it out. And the first thing I said was, what'd your dad say? What's <laughs> 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 your dad? know? Cause you know, um, that, that's just, um, you know, I think as a, a young man, like that's just like an internal fear of what's the dad going to say? <laughs> like, do I have a mark on my, the back of my head? <laughs> <laughs> Freaking red dot <laughs> just Here's chasing me. you around. <laughs> Oh man. But, um, but yeah, it was, um, it was, it was pretty cool because, um, they were fine with it. Um, I, I felt like they, they, um, her, her parents essentially thought that, you know, if it was meant to be, it was meant to be. Um, and I went and I told my guard unit, um, that I was staying with up there at the time. I'm like, Hey, listen, I just got this news. Um, and you know, just with the, the timing of everything, her and her family were actually coming north from the Twin Cities here towards my way to go to like a, a family cabin at the time. So they actually let me, you know, go outside of the, the front gates, spend like a couple, like one or one or two hours with her, like in person to, you know, have that conversation. Sure. You know, to, to do the comfort, to, you know, build some certainty um, of the situation, everything like that. And um, just like that, it was, I mean, the rest was history. <laughs> Did, let me, can I ask you something? And I don't know why I feel led to ask this question, but I have to answer it. Would, mm-hmm. at being that young, you know, a lot of people get pushed towards abortion. Like I, I can think about all of the women that I kind of push that direction. Like, you don't want me to be the dad, I promise you. And of course now I, it makes me sick to think about, but did that conversation ever come up? 
it actually, you know, there was, I think there was like the, the, the thoughts of it because it's like, okay, we're young. Sure. Like, are we, are we not only financially ready for this type of commitment, you know, lifelong commitment, yeah. but are we mentally and emotionally ready for something like this at our age is our maturity able to sustain not only, well, the life was already created, but, um, you know, putting in the, the effort, putting in the, the, the wisdom of a child and making sure that they are, you know, um, brought up, you know, the right way, or, you know, just brought up in a, in a way where it's not going to lead to long, long-term life self-sabotage, you know, in, sure. in some ways, shape or form of that. So, I mean, that's, yeah. And I appreciate your honesty there because I think a lot of people, you know, and we have such a wide demographic of people that watch. So we have a lot of youth that watch too. And uh, at least the, what I hear from their parents and some of the emails I get. And so I asked that question because you're an example of what can be if you choose to do the right thing. You know, you made a decision to sleep together, you get pregnant. You're, you know, a lot of people have that uncertainty because they have, you know, well, they have a child before they have a career or anything else or even an education. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate you answering that honestly very much. Absolutely. How did, so when, how long did you serve in the military? So I was in, um, it was just over nine years. Um, I would have done the full 20, but I, on my deployment, I sustained a low back injury that led to five permanent spine conditions. Um, and once I came home right after that injury from my deployment in, uh, 2012, my, my, my back issues while still being in were just digressing, like really bad. I mean, it it was moments where, I mean, like if I was holding a pen and say I accidentally dropped it, like I was fearful of picking that pen up because just like that, I I would have a back spasm. I would be dropped to the floor. And I mean, sometimes my back spasm lasted hours. Oh, and you know, my, my daughter at the time, um, when I came home, she was only three. So that's the phase, you know, where they come up to you like this, like every five seconds, you know, and obviously like physical touch is my number one love language. So it's like, why wouldn't I want to hug my daughter? You know what I mean? So um, like that, that, that was definitely a a very tough and dark spot in my life because not only after I came home from deployments, did I have back injuries, but that's when, me and my daughter's mom actually went our separate ways. Um, and then, you know, that went into the whole, um, you know, custody battle issues that, that we went through that lasted a couple of years. Um, and because of the pain that I was experiencing from my low back, not even to mention the, the mental emotional side I was going through with everything. Um, I was starting to drink a lot more. Um, I was starting to use the pain pills that I was, that I was getting, you know, and prescribed for my low back. Um, pretty much I would, I would put my daughter to bed and I would pop, pop a pill or two. I would start drinking some whiskey 
and just wait for the pain to dissipate and then hopefully fall asleep. Um, and that, that was almost, I think that was about eight, almost 18 months of my life. Gosh, man, I've had two back surgeries. So when you were talking, I could feel yeah. the incisions <laughs> and, you know, I mean, just going through the process, like looking at a box of cereal that dropped and then like, oh no, oh mm. no, <laughs> if I pick this up, I could be done. Yeah. Um, so I recognize that that is tough. And then the, of course, the not being able to touch, but the other thing, the pain pills, that is the sneakiest demon of all, I think. I mean, look, I had my, I was a meth and cocaine abuser. Um, I, the only time I ever took pain pills was because of the, the back surgeries, but that it made me clinically insane. I was probably pretty crazy anyway, but there was something about it, even taking the smallest dosage possible of Oxycontin, it, it made me so dope sick when I wouldn't take it almost immediately. Mm. So, I mean, that's a real struggle. Then you combine alcohol with it and you got a whole other monster. What was the deciding point for you? We were like, screw this. This is not worth it. This is going to lead me to a life of death and misery. Like, how did you just stop? You know, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny you asked that question because looking back um, previous, you know, I don't think I ever really tried to when we, I feel like, you know, when, when you, when you have such a big decision like that, like such a, a breakthrough in life, um, you know, people at, you know, people ask or wonder, you know, was it a split decision moment or was it the, the entire time leading up to that decision that helped make that breakthrough happen, help make that aha mo moment happen. Um, and honestly, I, it was, I honestly cannot remember if it was a friend I was talking to um, at work or if I maybe stumbled across something on on Instagram, but it was something along the lines of, you know, like um, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to quote Tony Robbins on this. And it, it's not the quote that I saw, but it's something similar. But it's sure. essentially where your focus goes, energy flows. So at the time, all I was focusing on was I'm broken. I'm injured. I'm always in pain. I deserve this, you know, because mm. once you start going down that road, I mean, it is a slippery slope and you can easily dig yourself to a point where it feels impossible to climb back out. Oh, for um, sure. And, and I, I was at such a low point. Um, the only reason I wasn't taking pain pills throughout the day was because I was in sales um, in personal training. And I, I took one pill um, when I first got it before going to work. And I remember I completely botched a sale because <laughs> my mind was all blah. And I'm like, I ain't doing that again. Like I can live through the pain to, to still pitch the sale, but I'm not going to, you know, compromise my, um, my income now because of these pills. So I'm going to wait till nighttime, you know, when no one essentially needs me. <laughs> See, I have, okay, that I, I, I can recognize that too, but for me, it was with other things. That's, that's interesting too, because some, that's like the decision you noticed it right away affecting your work. 
And I wonder how many of us that decide, you know, the very first time, you know, I'll do a little bit of meth before I go to work, which to me sounds insane considering what I did on meth. Um, or I'll take a, I'll take this stimulant or I'll, I'll get high before I and then the very first time it affects you to be able to walk away is pretty amazing because that's I think a lot of people ignore that first sign of, mm. hey, this is not going to go the way you want it to. You might want to not go down this path. Yep. I admire that discipline. So it's really that one time and it screws up no. your sale. It if we were was... all so lucky to face consequences the first time. <laughs> Seriously, it was that one time and I was like, uh-uh. Because at the time I was so committed to my my career, um, the company I was working for. Sure. You know, I wanted to do the whole climb the, the leader manager um, ladder as, as quickly as possible. And I was like, if if my sales numbers are not matching where they need to be, I'm not getting this promotion. So screw it. Like I'll deal with the pain. <laughs> now, do you think the military before that, or was that discipline installed in you with from your parents? That's a good question. Um, I would have to say, I think that was a a, a trait that I definitely just had from my upbringing for sure. Um, That's cool to hear. Yeah. You know, the, um, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, can, can you, whenever I like walk into a, a restaurant, maybe there's like a, an, an older gal as like a host or whatever. I always get the, you must be military, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, I did serve, you know, I'm ex army, whatever. And she's like, I could tell, you know, I get that a lot. Um, but <laughs> I, I get some 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 of the traits and disciplines that I've like picked up from the military, um, you know, definitely can can stand out. But, um, you know, growing up the way that I grew up, uh, I, I I I modeled my mom a lot from, oh, cool. you know, she was she was a single mom with me and my sister um, watching her, you know, grind every day. Um, going, going to work early in the morning, making sure that, you know, we were fed. We knew when we need to leave for the bus. Um, I'd be watching like, um, I think it would be like, Hey Arnold or something on, on Nickelodeon when I was younger, I'd fall asleep on the couch. And then my mom would go, are you awake in there? And then, you know, I'd be like, yeah, of course I am, you know? <laughs> and, you know, then she would leave for work and then, you know, I'd go to the bus stop and, um, I'd come home from school. She'd still be at work. And then she would come home with a few groceries, um, you know, cook dinner for us and then make sure our homework and stuff was done. So like she was, she was a rock star, um, single mom for me yeah. and my sister. And I, I learned and modeled a lot of that, um, and have brought so much of that into my life now as like a single dad. So, wow. so thank you, mom. <laughs> Dude. I, this whole time, this is what I get for, I mean, I'm assuming to myself, like, man, he had a mom and dad showed him the way. And this is why as a man, he wanted to always be a father. And you got that from a single mom mm -hmm. that talk of that. That's not normal, man. Your mom's <laughs> a superhero. She is. She really is. Wow, man. So I, okay. Then I have to ask this question and you can tell me to be quiet if I'm going too far. Did hold on your dad 
what happened with your dad? Like, why did he, did, why did he leave you guys? Did something happen? Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my parents, um, ended up getting divorced, um, right after my fourth grade year, I was up North living in Brainerd at the time, all of us. And, um, you know, that's when my mom's sister and I came down and lived with my, my grandparents at the time, because my mom was a stay at home mom sure. um, up there. So, you know, she didn't have any, um, immediate job skills or, you know, references or, you know, resources to really, you know, get the foot in the door anywhere. So she had to start at square one, um, once that decision was made and my dad, um, my dad had honestly had like a really good heart. Um, you know, there, there's things that when I was younger and I was craving his attention mm. and his approval and all of that, and I, I wasn't getting it the way that I, I needed, there's a lot of, you know, anger and frustration sure. um, towards him. Um, it wasn't until, you know, in the past few years where, as I educated myself and I learned more about um, human needs and all of that stuff that I recognized a lot of his behaviors and what they maybe actually meant at the time versus, you know, immediately going towards this guy wants nothing to do with me. Sure. You know, um, and I, I think my dad honestly just didn't know how to um, act around my sister and I. Um, like, you know, he, I think he was probably in, you know, I, I, this is going down the road of assumption, probably too much, um, because I only knew my grandfather on that side for, I think the first two, three years of my life, I have, I think two memories with him and <laughs> one of them I, I won't even get into <laughs> It's ridiculous. But, um, I, I think he, he was raised, you know, in that era where, parenting was different. Yeah. Um, and I think he tried so hard not to be that parent to us that it completely separated us and wow. created like a, a giant gap where there just was no relationship. You know, like I, I looked at it more as like towards the end of his, um, he actually passed away in uh, uh, November, 2016. And, you know, up to that point, the last probably two years of our relationship, um, while he was still here, we were on that relationship status where he would, you know, call and, you know, if he needed help up north, you know, because he went through some some health issues and stuff like that. Um, he was an alcoholic. You know, he tried going through treatment a couple of times, um, but, you know, unfortunately just didn't didn't hold. Um, but you know, he would, he would call to keep me updated on stuff. You know, um, he knew I was big into yard work too. Um, so he'd be like, oh yeah, you know, just bought a new leaf blower and oh man, it blows, <laughs> you know, just things like that. And, um, it was more so like, okay, dad, do you have enough groceries? Um, sure. are you taking care of yourself? Are you getting, you know, bills paid, you know, that kind of stuff. So it, it was more, it almost felt more like I turned into the parent to him, um, making sure that he was getting stuff done. But I think he just appreciated the, um, the relationship that we had, that we were still at least talking. You Gosh. Know? It almost makes me wonder, 
if it's better, like say you have a parent that's abusive, it also almost makes me wonder if them not being there at all is better than them being there and abusing you, whether it's verbally, physically, some in some cases, you know, sexually for people. And um, I, it, this makes me think of my father and in, in his death. Uh, I, I hated him so much. I showed up to his funeral an hour late, still high on cocaine and all the other, from the, the night before, all the crap that I was doing. I just hated him and I didn't care. Made a mockery of his funeral. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just had so much disdain. So as he was dying from cancer, going through all his treatments, I completely abandoned him, you know, and I never gave him a chance to really get forgiveness from me. And, and of course, when I turned my life around, um, I came to the realization that I spent all this time hating my father. And the truth is that I was became my father, but worse. Mm. And I spent all this time hating him for something that, you know, I not only was I doing myself, but I also came to realize that you know, he wasn't the the birth of the evil that he projected on us. He learned it from somewhere because the mm-hmm. things happened to him too. And that dramatically changed the way I saw my father and allowed me to forgive him enough to start to only to, to get to a place where I could look at the abuse as what it was, but I could start to see the good in him and how he did try. And doing that is allowed is 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 given me enough forgiveness for enough love to build in my heart that now I desire to be a good father and good husband above anything and everything else other than, you know, my relationship with God, you know, it's become the most important thing. And I never thought that that was possible, but I think that that's because of forgiveness and which I'm thankful for. Mm-hmm. Did you have, when you found out that you were a father and even as you got further into you know, being a father as she's gotten older, did you ever have those moments of insecurity that are like, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be like my father or did you not have that experience? I, I definitely did. Um, I, I, and I honestly believe that um, having thoughts like that is normal for sure. a lot of people, you know, and, and obviously not just in the, in parenthood, but like, I mean, with, when it comes to your, your health, I mean, your, your mental, emotional states, I mean, all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I look back at, you know, the, the things that really separated myself from my dad and then the stuff that was very similar. And, you know, when I was going through my, my alcohol and pain pill, um, stage, like I, I didn't even think about, Oh wait, my dad's an alcoholic. Like I, I, it didn't even really click because I was so inward focusing on just me and not realizing I have more gifts that I can share with others where a lot of what I was experiencing could go away. But because I was so inward, it was just making it worse. Um, and it wasn't until I had that, that aha moment where I was like, holy crap, like, what am I doing to myself? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm 26. I'm drinking and taking pain pills at night to suppress these permanent spine conditions that I mean, and honestly, so going going back to kind of like where my mindset was, 
Um, I started believing like all the doctors that I was talking to at the VA at, um, um, I can't remember the place in Bloomington, but they, they told me all the things that I couldn't, that I would never be able to do again in my life. And I believed them. Mm. And because of that, it just made my, my situation worse. Um, and then when, when I came across that quote or talked to that person, whatever, um, I literally was like, fuck that. Like I write my own story. Yeah. Like who, who are these doctors that tell me that I can't do X, Y, and Z. And it was just like that, that the, the biggest fire in the world was lit underneath me to seek out help is to, to, to become resourceful and no matter what, find a way to enjoy life again. You know, um, the only thing that was like, honestly, keeping me around at the time was my daughter. Because wow. um, I, I, I've mentally gone in and out of the route of, you know, like suicide multiple times throughout my life. Um, you know, I've been diagnosed with depression, anxiety and, you know, ADHD and all that stuff. And, you know, it when you when you let the demons take over your thoughts, hmm. I mean, that's immediately where your mind goes. Like, like, am I am I worthy? No. Like, do I deserve to be here any longer? No. Hmm. You know, you start going down that road. Um, but honestly, and, and that's why, you know, when we started this out, why I'm so grateful for my daughter, because I don't know what's in the afterlife, but I do know that if I were to take that route, I could never, ever forgive myself for leaving my daughter, knowing that her dad said, I quit. Yeah. You know, like I could never do that to her ever. That makes me think of you know, reincarnation and other things like that, that I have a hard time not believing in <laughs> because, you know, you think about the traumas that we're born into, it seems like there's some kind of carryover. And so what you're saying when you leave with suicide, you know, it's hard for me not to imagine that we would come back and have to redo it. Mm. And 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 I and I've had this thought a few times. And again, I don't know if that's true or not. And I frankly, I, I don't even know if I care. But I do know that that thought that it is possible. I don't want to have to go back and relive what I've gone through to to find truth and to find the the to find who I am and to recognize my identity. And so I, I've had that in my thought when I've when I have wanted to commit suicide. And it's been a lot too. I, I recognize this. Uh, I mean, I, I acknowledge what you're saying because I've been there too. And uh, it's frightening, but thank God I had that in the back of my head going, yeah, I'm not doing this again. I've already done this once. So I'm just going to get through it the best I can now and mm -hmm. be the best version I can of myself today and be do everything in my power to be what I was created to be. Because if I'm going to have to go back and relive this, I don't know if I want to do that again. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Yep. You know, I've learned the lessons I've learned. I'm not repeating this. I, I, so I appreciate you saying that. And this also is a great segue for Bulletproof, uh, the Bulletproof method. I remember when I was trying, scratching the surface of like, hey, I'm, I'm sick of this life I'm living. I'm struggling where, you know, my thoughts have more control over me than I do of my thoughts. And it was completely mm -hmm. reckless, completely out of my body. And I, re I, for some reason, heard the word bulletproof. Mm. and Or I'm sorry, mind hacking. So I was like, I wonder what mind hacking is. 
So and then I start researching it. Then I discover Bulletproof, the, the coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then it led me to Code of the Extraordinary Mind, which was uh, written by Vishen Lenakani from mindvalley.com. This is around the time that I ended up becoming, uh, that I lost everything. And uh, when I discovered that book, it really, I felt, broke me out of the boxes that I had put myself in, the box of religion. And I know I'm a man of faith, but I'm not the religious kind. <laughs> um, I, you know, it broke me out of this, this traditional box that I felt stuck in that I never agreed with anyway, but I thought I had just to go along with it, the way that man created things, the, the well, it could be religion, it could be uh, politically, it could be all the boxes that are laid out for us. I was putting myself in, not knowing who I was and my identity. When I started down this path about learning, not just to break free of this, but learning some of the different bulletproof methods that are out there or the bulletproof techniques, it set me down on a path that has gotten me where I'm at today, um, recognizing that it is mind, body, and spirit. It's not just taking some supplements so I can get a good buzz and go work out. It's more than that. It's everything. Um, so I, I appreciate this path. And one of the things that I was very excited to talk to you about, because it sounds like you've got quite the recipe for bulletproofing your life. Can you discuss your bulletproof method and what your business is all about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and honestly, that kind of starts back um, right around the, the, the time that my, my dad passed away. So um, a month prior to my dad passing away, I just got into a, uh, a brand new relationship um, with, you know, a girl that I immediately fell for, like in an instant after our first date. <laughs> um, and then, then my dad passed away a month later. And then... Three months after my dad passed away, my my grandpa um, ended up being diagnosed with esophagus cancer and took his wow. life. Um, and that hit our family, you know, really, really hard on my mom's side. Um, and then after my grandpa passed away, a month later, my girlfriend's dad passed away. And then a few months after that, her grandpa passed away. That's a lot of death. Ooh. I know. And what's what's even crazier about it is like there was additional deaths. Like I, I lost one of my one of my brothers that I was deployed with um, uh, to an overdose, like in that time frame as well. And um, I had an, like a few months before my dad passed away, I, I had lost like a, um, I guess you could call like a second uncle, if you will um as well you know so it was just like this time frame of just what in the hell is going on right now like yeah the, my, my oh. body my my nervous system was so shocked um i basically it was like like you snap and like i would rather just zone out and not feel anything i was so dissociated from my body and my mm. my emotions that i was just like like i was just going through the motions every day like I wasn't sharing anything. I wasn't expressing anything. Um, and I'm, I'm going to keep, you know, who, who I was dating and anything about her very private because she would appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I, gotta, so, I have a few of those relationships. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, you know, she's just a very private person. Um, yeah. And be, because of that, you know, I, I, I started creating a wedge between us. Um, and that eventually led to, 
Um, like, I think it was like about eight months later of us, you know, you know, separating or more so me getting broken up with, <laughs> you know, from my own, my own lack of action, you know, so to speak. And at that time, uh, this was early 2018. Um, I was completely lost. Um, I was running a business that, um, I had left, left my personal training, career at the company that I was with to open up my own business in 2016. Um, and then in 2018, I was still doing it, but I hated it. Um, like I, I, I just, I had outgrown that career field and, you know, after all the, the losses of, of, you know, family, after the losses of her family, the loss of our relationship, I mean, I literally, my identity was gone. Um, I had zero purpose in life. I racked up a lot of debt with credit cards because I was trying to find an outlet to make myself feel better. You know, Um, thankfully at the time I, I had outgrown my alcohol phase of like using that as a crutch, um, as a vehicle to satisfy those needs. Um, And like, just like that, I was like, crap, now what am I going to do? And I, I, my, my clients were getting very crappy service from me at the time. And, um, one of my, one of my buddies who was actually my client at the time, um, he mentioned, do you know who Tony Robbins is? (laughs) And I'm like, no, who's that guy? And he goes, oh, well, there's this, um, this film on, on Netflix, you should check out called I'm not your guru. And I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. Cause he's, cause he could, he could sense, um, that I, I was feeling, I was experiencing pain. Um, and, but I wasn't saying anything like a typical guy, you know, like we just push it in deep and hope that no one ever asks about it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So I I watched this movie on Netflix. Mine was blown. I go back the very next week. I go, tell me more. I want to learn more. Um, he gave me like some homework assignments. He goes, go buy this program, listen to it. Let me know what you think. I immediately went home. I bought it. Um, started listening to it at all, came with a workbook, you know, everything like that. I'm like, who in the F is this guy? And why have I never heard of him before? You know, it was just, it was mind blowing. And then the very next, um, couple sessions later, I get a, um, an email from him saying, clear your calendar, you know, July 8, 8 to 12th or whatever, because you're going to see the big guy. So he he gifted me a ticket to go see Tony Robbins live. Oh, that's at, a good at his UPW events that he did, and it was, I I literally screenshotted the email and I, I saved the picture because um, like that that's such a special moment in my life. It was a turning point, and um, and an, just another reminder to always pay it forward, you know, whenever you can, and after going to that event, it was mind blowing. Um, the things that I learned, the things that I did, I mean, I walked across fire. Um, <laughs> I, I actually got to go up on stage. I danced and I took my shirt off in front of 10,000 people. <laughs> um, I'm only going to let the video come out um, at my funeral. So <laughs> I got a soon. few of those too, <laughs> <laughs> but um, that, that, that was my, that, that was the initial spark of the Bulletproof Method because 
I saw what Tony Robbins was doing for 10,000 people all at once. And I'm like, what if I could just do that for one person? And then one person turned into, okay, how about multiple people? And then, you know, my, my, my goal, one of my goals in life is to speak in front of, you know, a crowd similar size. I mean, even if, I mean, if it gets to a hundred people, oh my God, that let's check that box. Yeah. But um, it, it let me realize an area of life that I had completely didn't even know existed was like the whole mindset stuff and, you know, why we do what we do as, as humans, you know, why, why do we say we, we want to become a millionaire, but yet we don't even follow a budget currently, you know, stuff like that. Or why, why do we say we want to lose 25 pounds, but then we still go to McDonald's, you know, things like that. You know, what, what is the, the reasoning behind that all? And I, I ended up bringing in mindset into my personal training business and what I realized in a very quick fashion was that a, like 90% of my clients immediately got instant results. Like it was like a light switch um, moment where they immediately started getting very, very fast results because of the mindset work we were doing. And then I started throwing in like live video trainings with them on, you know, how do you, you know, conquer procrastination or how do you get rid of destructive habits and instill empowering new habits into your system? You know, um, even things with like relationships, like how do you, how do you um, cut the cord of a relationship that you know is toxic in your life, but yet you still keep going back to it and hanging on to it. How do you get rid of that? You know, just all these different, you know, methods and stuff, fear of failure, fear of success. I mean, all of it. And the bulletproof method essentially became, okay, how do you define being bulletproof? And I, I look at it as, okay, to be, when, when I think of being bulletproof, I think of, okay, there's some form of armor that we're wearing or that we, that we have and possess that makes us bulletproof. So like the bulletproof armor is essentially, you know, made up of emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. And then each one of those, you know, can go into, you know, okay, if it's physical, okay, our, our health, um, our, our wealth and finances and stuff like that. So like materialistic type stuff. Um, the mental side is like your, um, like, like growth with like career, learning, education, um, and contribution. So how do you make a difference in com- your community and, and stuff like that? Uh, the emotional side with relationships, not only the relationship with, your friends and your family, but how about like a romantic partner? You know, like what, what level are you making yourself bulletproof for your partner in life? Like, are you putting effort into that? Um, and then the spiritual side is kind of two-sided where it's like you have yourself with, with like self-love, self-respect. Um, but then you also have your connection with, with uh, the universe is what I call, you know, God in my world, but, but also God, higher power, you know, whatever your belief system is, um, what is your connection with that? Like, do you spend time um, where you, you you thank the universe of what you're grateful for? Like we, we yeah. started this with. So the bulletproof method starts with your bulletproof armor. Where are you? If you had to rank each one of those on a one to 10 scale, where, what would you rank yourself? And then wherever you're low, that's where we start. You know, I love that. 
That's, I mean, because that's thorough. It's thorough housekeeping. And I, I, I do want to say this is interesting. Um, or not, I don't, I don't know if it's interesting or not. But the people that I look to and model in my personal life is like, I don't necessarily, I don't want other people's lives because I'm good with what I have and what God is doing. And I'm, I'm cool with that. But I do have people that I admire and I look up to. And I got to be honest with you, every single one of them went to Tony Robbins course. I mean, all the way up to traveling with Tony and speaking with Tony. I mean, they, the men that I look to the most, I kid you not. Oh, actually even a woman, they are, they took his courses. Um, and I started looking at him and I, you know, one of the things that I love about Tony is that he never bashes anyone's faith, anyone's belief system, except for toxic belief systems. Mm -hmm. And what he teaches, and this is for, I'm saying this for the believing crowd, what Tony teaching, it makes what you're already learning in the Bible come alive in a way that you probably didn't experience before. I noticed it when I started going to his videos and stuff in the last year. Like some of the stuff he talks about is just on point and it registers to me in a way that actually builds my faith and my relationship with God. So like I got no issues with Tony at all. Um, and what you were saying about someone gifting you that mm. course because he teaches a lot of emotional intelligence. I had someone do something similar for me for an emotional intelligence, for an emotional intelligence course that lasted three months. And it was profound how it made me very comfortable with just truth. Mm -hmm. And which I was a chronic liar because I'm trying to hide all the bad stuff I'm doing. I mean, it really, those techniques and very similar to what Tony teaches, it helped me break out of the matrix in ways that I've never before. I mean, even reading the Bible had me in a matrix. I'm not going to lie. It did. But the lessons that I learned and have even learned from Tony really, really have helped keep me out of that box and just really, and for me, and I call him Father God, and, and, and we won't get into any of the, all of the different names that he's called because universe can be one. It can be a lot creator, but what they are, the, 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 uh, what I lost, uh, dadgum, and I just brain farted. Anyway, the point is that these lessons are so powerful because we sometimes like to think of God as just some external being. He's just, he's out there. He's not accessible. He's, where'd you go? <laughs> I need you right now. Without recognizing that even though we are not God, he is very much as inside of us as he is outside of us. And universe, in your in your case, and that's important to know because if we are in and out the same, wouldn't we treat ourselves better? Wouldn't mm -hmm. we be nicer to ourselves if we knew God was sitting inside of us? Wouldn't we be careful about what we were drinking, what we were smoking, what we were snorting, what we were, we would take more precautions. And I think that's a powerful realization that you touched on that I believe really, really helps us recognize our identity. So mm -hmm. let me ask you this. Go, how long did it take you in that process of going through Tony's? Because a lot of people that go to the course that you went to, after a weekend, they forget about it, most yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. You actually applied all of this to your life. How long did it take you? Because I would imagine that it encouraged you to take some pretty bold steps, some steps in faith and other things. How long did it take you to start to see the manifestation of this new life that you were going to live? 
it it was it was fast. It was honestly really fast because I'm I'm the type of person where if I have an idea, some form of a vision, it might not even be a super clear vision, but it's all right. I think I think this could work. Yeah, I'm going to charge at it with everything that I have. I actually just did a Facebook post uh, uh, yesterday, I think it was, where it was like, you know, um, what is it uh, like having a having a plan B only distracts you from plan A. <laughs> like that's true. I'm, I'm an off a straightforward plan A guy, and um, like the manifestation part of of me going there um, was was unbelievable because. You know, the day I got home, I immediately enrolled in an NLP course, which is neuro linguistic programming, which Tony mentioned it at UPW. And I'm like, what's this? And I went home. <laughs> like at, at the time, I was like, I want to I want to do what Tony does. Like, so whatever he says, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to you know meet these people, whatever, because um, you model success. And sure. Um, I, I got into it and I immediately, I, I learned my learning style, um, in life much later than I had wanted to, but I, I know my learning style enough to where it's like, if I learn something, something, and I don't apply it with another person, the chances of me retaining it is very low. So, so true. It, it's, so it's true. unreal. It's unreal. And, um, I, I can't remember where or what the, the exact line of it, but um, I, it was something along the lines of, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter if, if you are not an expert at something, learn something, go teach it to someone else. Um, and then not only are you going to be helping them and paying it forward towards them, but you are going to be helping yourself out because you are starting to, to add layers to your own level of expertise at whatever it is that you just taught. And then you just layer it, layer it, layer it like that with every single person that you, you, you do that with. So I, I got obsessed with that. So that's what I started doing. That's, that is exactly how I have to learn too. And, and what it also does, one of my biggest fears, and it's not even a real fear. I, maybe I need to find a new word for this. The last thing I want to ever be is a hypocrite mm. ever. Like I, I'm very sensitive to that. And so I recognize Bay when I talk about the things I talk about, mainly on my other show that I do, spoken word, but I'm learning with the audience with a lot of things sometimes. And I and and with that said, I'm doing that because it helps me not just program it into my brain, like this is the stuff that I need program, not the crap that's coming out of TV, but I need this, but then by teaching it, the other thing, it forces me, whether it's a real force or not, but instinctively, it makes me want to walk it like I talk it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and there's a because there's a responsibility that anyone that's teaching, whether you're a trainer, a teacher, you're a coach, uh, you know, if you're even if you're a, the leader of other men and women from in a business in a corporate job. Like we have a responsibility as leaders to truly walk it like we talk it. And we should have an extra layer of criticism attached to it because we are held to a higher standard because we should be. Because if we're going to be teaching this stuff, 
then if we're not walking it, we deserve to be uh, deserve to be exposed as frauds. Yes, because there's a lot of that now where it's just lip service. And I and I want to take this and segue. This is good that we're talking about the speaking world, the speaking world. And I don't I don't know Tony personally, but I will tell you that I have toured with some very well known speakers and been able to share the stage with them. And whether it's through a producer, or as an MC, or even speaking with them, there's a lot of effing phonies mm. in this world. In in that world of speaking. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's disgusting to me and, and it bothers me. And of course, some of these speakers that have been around for 40, 50 years, some of them, they've do the same speech every time, like it, because they just know the system. They use NLP as a weapon because you can weaponize NLP. Um, it's an amazing speaking technique. It's amazing, uh, when it's used the right way, but there's people that use it to deceive also. I'm not saying that you do that. What I am saying, though, is it is time for guys our age to retake these stages from some of these the older guys that need to sell off in the sunset, if you ask me, because we are dealing with different issues than what they were dealing with back then. And that phony inspiration to success stuff is not going to work because we need substance mm-hmm. in our generation. And the generations that are after us, they're facing things that, well, their generations didn't. Yes, I know people went through a depression, but we live in a much, much different world. More distractions, um, more uncertainty of what's true. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it, we I think we have a duty to, to kind of take the stage from them. <laughs> so I'm hoping... That you, you know, you get those, those, and I'm not saying Tony's like this. I'm not saying this about Tony at all. I'm actually talking about 25 other people that I know. Um, and I, I, I don't, I'm not going to name names. And if they have a guilty conscience, they're going to probably feel guilty right now because they know I know they're full of crap. Anyway, uh, I want to take the stages back from them. So I got I've noticed something since I've been in Minnesota. Minnesota for the arts is an amazing place to be. I got to live downtown. Um, for when I, my very first year here, now I live in Prior Lake. And one of the things that I've noticed is there's lots of opportunity for acting and all the stuff that I was doing in LA from that standpoint, commercials, we have all those opportunities. But one thing that is missing here are events. Mm. People like yourself speaking on stages here locally, because, well, we have a lot of different businesses here. We have a lot of different things going on in Minnesota. But I'm new here, so I don't really understand it. But why isn't there more of these Tony Robbins-style events or speakers like yourself able to do events here? I never hear about them. Which, honestly, is a, an excellent observation because um, the the only time that I remember something coming up was shortly after my Tony Robbins EPW event in July 2018. I think it was a month or two later um gary v actually came to rochester um and spoke and i went and saw him because i'm a big gary v fan as well um and it was funny because the first thing he goes is man there are a lot of pickup trucks here and then right when COVID happened um simon Sinek was actually going to be coming to minneapolis 
And I was super pumped because I'm a Simon Sinek fan as well. And um, his event ended up getting canceled and then just never uh, rescheduled because of COVID. Um, but other than that, there is, I mean, very rarely you'll, you'll hear of something, I mean, remotely close to this um, level of passion and in, in this industry to, you know, help inspire some people. Yeah, there is so much opportunity available here for us. Um, and I, I just can't, like, I have some of my friends that are on those national tours and I can't get them to come here. And I don't know why <laughs> they don't want to come to, but they'll go to Chicago. They'll go mm -hmm. to North Dakota and South Dakota, but they won't come to Minneapolis. Like, come on. What's wrong? Which is even more mind boggling. Going on. <laughs> you what now? It's even more mind boggling that they would go to North Dakota and South Dakota, not to, you know, disrespect them but it's like come on minnesota minneapolis like <laughs> yeah i mean it's kind of a major city we have how many professional sports teams here <laughs> it's come on well <laughs> listen i um i I, th I think what you're doing is fantastic and uh i'm so glad that we connected i'm so glad that you agreed to come on today because I, I i just again i felt in my spirit that even though this is a much different broadcast than i normally do I felt in my spirit that I had to have you on and I'm so glad I did because, you know, the things that you're talking about that you went through, well, there's people that are going through that right now, like the mm -hmm. same thing. So it's a timely message and it's actually really a timeless message. So whenever people watch or listen to this, I think it's going to speak to them because you set an amazing example uh, for, you know, just being a father, being a single father, but also you know, making that decision to go, I'm done with that life. I'm, I'm going to choose to do what I was created to do and to be that guy. And I, I always admire that. Um, and even with the business, when you, you were struggling in business and, you know, you had your other two companies and then to make this decision where you go, this is the path I'm going down, the bulletproof method. And mm -hmm. now you're teaching this and you're inspiring other people. You're teaching how other people to how to live their best life. I mean, all that stuff is so important and I love that you're doing it. So with all that said, RJ, tell everybody where they can, you know, find you on social media, your website, plug anything and everything that you want. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, honestly, first, you know, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. And I can't even tell you um, one, how excited I was when, when you reached out to me about it and, you know, to how quickly we were able to connect and, and get this scheduled. Um, uh, so I, I appreciate you a ton for that. Um, so ways that you can uh, check out the Bulletproof Method and everything that I have to offer, um, I'll just kind of go through the list. So my my website is uh, bulletproofmethod.com, currently under um, construction. Um, you'll actually see a picture of me with, uh, with a hammer and um, some busted up floorboards behind me <laughs> from when I uh, ripped up my my sister's uh, carpet at her old house. <laughs> um, but um, I, I I I had my old website up there, and I was like, you know what? I hate it. Um, I'm gonna start from scratch and rebuild this. So, um, but in the meantime, you can find me on um, Instagram at rjbell.official. Um, my Facebook, I honestly just launched a brand new Facebook group that um, is going to be offering tons of free trainings. Um, and then obviously, if you want to dive in deeper, you know, that's another conversation where we can connect on a one-on-one -on -one basis. But the, the Facebook group is called Bulletproof Mindset Group. 
um, where essentially it's, it's all about mindset. It's about overcoming limiting beliefs. It's about how do we create more action in our life to, to have and achieve more success in life. Um, and then just my Facebook in general, my, my private one is RJ Bell. Um, so any and all of those, you can find me. And honestly, I'd love to have a conversation with anybody that reaches out. Um, I, yep, go ahead. Are you not doing a podcast or anything like that? You know, it, it's funny you mentioned podcasts because um, I literally was just thinking about it in this last probably six, seven days. And I'm like, I, I think with where I'm at, I think a podcast is definitely going to happen. Um, I just think my timing for it is just not quite there. <laughs> There's a few other things I need to check off first, and then the podcast will come. <laughs> Well, if I can, if we can ever be of assistance, my wife and I, to help you launch that or just even answer your questions, um, you know, we've learned to kind of navigate these waters pretty well and differently. We have a different approach than most people. Um, but nonetheless, we, this is an area that we love to serve. So anything that we can do to help, please let us know. Absolutely. Thank you. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for being here and we'll talk very soon. All right. Thanks, Joshua. See you, brother. RJ Bell, everyone. Man, I really like that. I'm so happy. I get excited. I, I normally don't do a lot of, you know, research and checking into people. I just like I wait for a couple things for God to show me. And then it's like, okay. And then that's the information we go on. So I sometimes get just as surprised as the audience about what I'm hearing. And and I like that because, well, I get to have an authentic reaction or response. Um, but I I love that. And you know, the biggest message I want to say this to the youth that's watching. Look, I mean, it's it's really easy to go, well, keep it in your pants <laughs> before you're, you know, married in a com committed relationship. But let's be honest, most people aren't. And I'm not going to lecture people on all of that right now. I'm not because I'm not. I'm the last person to do that. In fact, that said. I want, if you are faced with a decision where you're just like, I don't know, like, how am I going to be a dad? I don't know. I don't, I didn't have a male influence in my life. I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to do. let RJ's story inspire you. Um, I mean, there's a lot there for, with RJ's story to inspire you. Um, but that one specifically, because I do know some people that are faced with this decision right now and it's not easy. And all I want to say is this, don't do what I did. Don't do what I did because I was faced with the same decision and the same thing with the three-year-old that I found out about. I cowered down. I, I, I didn't take action to be a responsible father. I ran and made all excuses in the world. And if I told you the consequences that my daughter suffered and suffers as She's 21 now, but she suffers because of that. I can't take that away. I can't ever erase that memory. You can do what RJ did. It matters. But please check him out uh, on social media. And of course, if you're, you know, go to the livemana.org. Live uh, there'll be a media kit there where, you know, the transcript, the audio, the video of this will be. 
but also links to be able to follow and support what RJ is doing. Thank you for watching. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next time.